Green Acres Garden Podcast is the podcast that will teach budding gardeners like you to grow your green thumb. For whether you're a newbie or a seasoned horticulturalist, you're sure to learn something new. Enjoy our conversations with community gardeners and gurus from Green Acres Nursery and Supply. We'll answer questions you didn't know you had. Well, hello there, everyone. Welcome, garden friends. So glad you could all make it to the Green Acres Garden Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Jordan, the Marigold Mandalorian. And if you desire to have a beautiful, colorful garden, well, this is the way. Back in studio with Austin, the, the bad boy of Begonia's blank. How's it going there, Austin? Hey, Kevin, I'm great. I, I don't know if you know it, but I'm a big Mandalorian fan, so I love that intro there. Oh, I love it. I said Austin, the Grogu master <laughs> blank. Uh, so so great to have you with me, Austin. So yeah. last week we had a blast out in the garden, but this week we're going to have an even better time talking about everything colorful, all the, all the, all the seasonal color that comes with this time of year. Um, I, I love having a lot of things in the garden that bring in pollinators, hummingbirds, butterflies. So in today's episode, we're kind of going to dive in a little bit to kind of uh, scratch the surface on what's blooming out in the garden this time of year right now. Sounds great. That's awesome. And, you know, I've also noticed it's maybe perhaps a regional and seasonal issue, but it's been pretty windy. I'm curious how you've been, if it's affecting you and how you're dealing with that. Uh, you know, I don't mind it too much. I was actually out in the nursery walking around today and having a good time. And, and the breeze kind of kicked up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't mind it so much. It knocks back my straw hat a little bit. But you know what? You just kind of <laughs> snug it down and you know forge ahead. It really helps our plants and trees to get these winds. It strengthens them a little bit. So whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And so this is actually why it's really important to take care of your gardens and kind of clear them out a little bit before these storms come on. But you know what? They're going to pass. The heat is going to be turned up a little bit. And we're going to be ready with some awesome color and, and a ton of wonderful flowers to plant and you know cultivate so that way we can enjoy something that's really beautiful throughout these warm summer months. Excellent. Uh, one more quick question about that wind, though, and the strengthening, because that's very interesting to me. And I've I've been advised to do that with certain house plants. Uh, give them a shake every now and then. Is is that a good thing? Well, you know what? Uh, plants absolutely need that movement. I know uh, there's a lot of um, research that's gone into folks that have grown really large greenhouses and they're you know trying to reproduce you know tropical environments, and it's actually very important. For there to be like air air circulation, air movement, uh, so much so that if you can simulate some of those storms, it really does work out those tree limbs and those branches and those trunks, so that uh, in a healthy fashion, just like working out with weights uh, to a degree with humans, it's, it can be very helpful <laughs> in you know developing those that those limbs. So I want my plants to be like bench pressing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'll come over. I'll just see you having <laughs> fans and working out with your your plants. Oh, that's lifting. awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for that. Let's let's jump into the color thing. Uh, tell me, you know, um, it's great. You mentioned that the colors are attracting pollinators and other beneficials into our garden. But then it, it's not only that, right? It's just the beauty it, on its own is Absolutely. what we want to, right? So last week you and I were talking, and you mentioned something like what color theory? Yeah, can yeah, you, yeah. Can, let, can you can you talk a little bit about that? Because uh, just really quickly, what are the the three primary colors, and what are the secondary colors? Okay, sure, I can do that. I I, I know a little bit about this. So the primaries are red, yellow, and blue, and if you mix those in different you know, combinations, you can get the secondary colors, which would be orange, purple, and green. Okay, so today on our episode, we are going to cover all those colors Ooh. and then some. We're going to get into the, awesome. uh, the tertiary, perhaps, even. Um, so that's what's great about the color. You really, like you said, um, 
the you know the red, uh, blue, green, you know, yellow, purple, all these wonderful colors actually can actually you're going to find them out in the nursery walking around. And I did just that today. So for instance, you know, if you want something that's yellow, you want something that's orange, marigolds are the way to go. Like I said, I'm the marigold Mandalorian. We're on a quest this week for some color. That's the first one I go to when it gets hot. Marigolds okay. love the heat. They're they're really good to have out in the garden with our our edible plants as well. And, uh, you know, another staple that goes right alongside them for our summer months is going to be petunias. we got to just get them right out of the way and give them their due. Uh, petunias are, you know, just a summer staple. They, they love that heat. There's actually a lot of different varieties. They go great when, uh, in containers where they trail over the edge uh, of a container or a raised bed. A lot of different varieties and colors to choose from. And they just love that hot sun and the heat. But, of course, I, I would be remiss if I didn't add Cosmos in there. I know they've come up a little bit in uh, past episodes, but they're great. They have these, like, wonderful pastel colors, almost, Ooh. you know, Easter-like. You know, you have these pinks and purples and lavenders. It's really pretty. Uh, even the little dainty leaves on there are great. And these are our annuals that love the sun, right? Um, okay, and if so you want full su- sun? Full sun. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. The more sun, the better. They can handle a little bit of shade, but I feel like... You know, and some good sun, they're really going to produce, especially if they have good soil, a little proper nutrition, and they're getting watered properly. And and then those are all, you said yellow. I know marigolds are like yellow, bright orange. Yeah. Um, but petunia and cosmos, oh, you said cosmos are kind of pastel. Yeah. What about petunias? They run the gambit. Okay. Oh, yeah. Whites, pinks, reds, purples. Um, they're, they're very uh, ver- varied. <laughs> varied. They're very varied. Nice. No, petunias are, are diverse in color. Um, and variety, you know, you got the new wave, you got ones that really trail out, some that are a little more compact. Um, just keep the caterpillars off them, and you'll okay. be you'll do good with a little BT. And then, and, how long are they going to last? I know they're annuals, so they're going to um, kind of start to fall back in the winter, or yeah, before well, that? Usually, usually by the end of summer into fall, as okay. things start to cool down a bit, um, they they taper off, and that's when we're going to replace them for sure. our all, all of our cool season color. But you you know you have plenty of months uh, to enjoy them before then. All right. Thank you, Kevin. So those are the annuals for sun, but what about for shade? So just for shade, there's actually plenty of options as well. Begonias, uh, they can handle a bit of sun, but they will still thrive in a bit of uh, shade. Ton of different varieties, and they actually have really colorful flowers, and their leaves are really pretty as well. They look a little waxier, a little bit thicker leafed. Uh, very pretty. I love them, and they always go well. If you ever see a begonia patch, usually I'll throw in some impatiens right next to them. Impatiens are similar. They love the uh, kind of cooler, shadier spots in your garden, um, or you have a patio that only gets a few hours of light, but you still want some, you know, really full color in there. Impatiens are great. You know, pinks, whites, um, apricots, uh, red, um, purple. Very colorful. Mm. They, they even actually have a new variety of impatient that's called the sun patient that can actually handle a bit more sun, which is pretty cool. But when, when it comes to shade, I also like throwing in a plant that really doesn't really um, get grown because of its beautiful flowers. It's for its leaves, and that's the coleus. And so today I was out there, and I was kind of thumbing through some of the coleus. Some ones that I really found interesting were the Kong Junior Rose, the Kong Red. So these are ones that have very broad leaves. It looks like they've been hand-painted. I mean, you got deep purples and bright greens, uh, you know, fuchsia, all, all on the leaf. This is just the foliage, and they're awesome. Then the other varieties, like Flamethrower and Vulcan, were so Whoa. gorgeous. Vulcan was so good, it made me want to live long and prosper so I could just enjoy it longer. <laughs> uh, honestly, it was so cool. The leaf looked op- opposite of what the Kong looked like. Um, it was what? so cool. And those ones really when you, uh, can like the shade, like those cooler areas. And just uh, really break up the bed um, in a way that's really unique. Um, they look make your garden look lush because they're 
very, you know, very full and just the way they look is just awesome. I, I love the coleus. Whoa. Okay. Hold on. You're throwing some really cool names out there. Vulcan coleus. Yeah. Isn't that is great? That, that has to be a Star Trek reference, right? Yeah. The, whoever, yeah, the grower on that was having some fun <laughs> for sure. Oh, I love it. And that one specifically was what colors did you see? Because you went and checked them out today at the store. Yeah. So like, like some of them, they're all different mixes. So they're like mosaics the okay. way they look. And so they're mixtures of like bright purple pinks, uh, greens, uh, maroons, uh, blood red, um, all on the leaves. And so they, they just look classic, almost look, they're, they're so beautiful, they almost look fake in a way. And that, that's the ultimate, you know, uh, when you hear that, like someone thinks something in your garden is fake, yeah. you just look at them like, I don't know if I'm insulted that you think <laughs> I would have a fake plant in my garden, or do I feel good that my garden looks yeah. so good? That it has to be fake. Is that good or bad? I think yeah. I would like that. that yeah. That's a compliment. We'll take it as a positive yeah. for sure. And <laughs> they, they look that way. They're they're lush. They are so beautiful. And they really prefer those cooler, shadier spots. It's it's great. They're, huh. they're a great um, solution for that. Now, you said begonias or, yeah, and yeah. impassions you like to put together. Is that just because they both like the shade so that space is good together? Yeah, or I like do you just like... mix them up. So, you know, I might, I might do like an, if I have a big old wine barrel, maybe the mm-hmm. uh, the inner circle might be impatiens, the outer circle might be begonias or vice versa. So they kind of get a similar height. I feel like the impatiens might grow a little quicker. Okay. Um, so for them, I give them a little more room and maybe have them in a spot where it's taller. That kind of goes back to our, uh, remember we've mentioned what thriller, filler, spiller? Yes, yes. Right? So um, to kind of recap, can you kind of uh, enlighten our, our listeners? Well, so Greg taught me about this this concept of kind of grouping flowers uh, or uh, plants in general that I really like. And the thriller is like the the big showstopper, you know, the the uh, the reason we're buying a ticket to like the, the show. the centerpiece, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got the filler that kind of fills the area around it. Yep. And then, which is also beautiful. And we're trying to make um, good combinations where the colors work together, the flower designs work well together. And then the spiller is what kind of trails. I guess, It's the trailing ones that kind of spills over the container or outside of the containment. You know it. And I've had some great um, options for some of your spillers today. Okay, excellent. I, I always want to know about more about spillers and thrillers. I guess I'm not giving a fair shake to the fillers and i should learn more about those <laughs> they're all they they all yeah. work together okay yeah that's the thing team it's it's a team effort i like that so um so far the begonias impassions coleus are those kind of fillers for me the begonias impatience could um could be your fillers okay because they they do uh, grow and kind of create some volume there and they but they look great um, and they're not really going to spill over, and they're really not going to be that single plant you're going to have right in the middle. Okay. And so, um, right. for sure, they're great fillers. Okay, cool. And I also noticed in our, um, gosh, what is this called again? I think that's the new catalog This you is got the there. catalog from Green Acres, and there's a, a whole page in here that shows really cool examples of thriller, filler, and spillers, and even a pot that it would work well in, and it breaks it down if it likes sun or not, shade, and... Really cool. So, you know, if, you, if you're if you looking for more inspiration, check out the uh, the catalog. It's got some great ideas for, for this kind of concept. Yeah, the catalog is a fantastic resource. So, Austin, uh, I'm really excited about some of the perennials on today's list as well. These ones are some fantastic choices. 
uh, chosen to bring in bees, butterflies, pollinators like hummingbirds as well, Ooh. and everything in between. Uh, ones that provide a ton of color. They're very some of the, on the list are some of the most durable plants in the nursery. So let's uh, dive right in. Let's dig right into that. Oh, all right. So uh, switching from annuals to perennials now. What do you got for me? What what perennials? So some that are really good for your butterflies. Are, I noticed today out there were the yarrow. The Achillea. And so they had a white version, like the new vintage white, that was really beautiful. Uh, looked kind of graceful and elegant. Uh, and then they had the moonshine, which I planted out in our, our school garden this last fall. It's growing, you know, so well. And it's these bright yellow, like landing pads for your butterfly. And they just love getting right in there um, and, you know, drinking off those blossoms. And they're a fantastic way to lure them into your garden. It's like a magnet form. I love it. Another one that actually is like butterfly food, like living butterfly food, you can grow it yourself, mm. uh, is the scabiosa. That's the pincushion flower. Very, pur- uh, bu- very purple. They're very purple. Uh, they're very <laughs> beautiful, kind of a lavendery blue and kind of a light purple blossom. Um, really gorgeous little flower. And same thing, butterflies are just drawn to it. Really? Oh, what, yeah. Why, why does the butterfly like they it? They love those compound flowers. They can just land on them, you know, get their little proboscis in there and oh, there's like a little up some nectar. There's like a little landing pad for it. It's them. big enough for them to land Got on and kind of support them. And they can get right in there and kind of poke and prod and... Get down in there and, and slurp out some nectar. Uh, oh, that sounds a like a, a must-have to oh, attract butterflies. Oh, they're great. So now, if you're into bees as well, yes. you know a lot of on the list. Like right now, uh, out in the garden, you know all your lavenders, your lavendulas are going crazy. Um, they bloom like crazy, and they're magnets for bees. Uh, the salvia, it, which is a bee magnet, and it's a hummingbird magnet, my friend. Oh, so there's a ton of different salvia out there. Um, I, we actually walked the, today, and I mean purples and reds and whites and pinks. Um, different for some that grow, you know, three, three, four feet tall, some that stay real short. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really cool. So a lot of variety there. And like I said, it's a magnet for some of those pollinators. I know hummingbirds just go crazy for them. And so that's that's a great choice as well. And, and one last hummingbird one, if you want to bring in those hummingbirds. And this is a plant that is also super durable and it has a fantastic name. This is Anagosanthus. I don't know if we brought this one up in the past here. That's kangaroo paws. The blossoms, they bud up, and they look like little furry kangaroo paws, just like oh, how what? you'd imagine a kangaroo fist might look. Um, if you ever go out and kind of box one out in the, you know, the wild, I gotta you know, look try this to punch up. you. Uh, they're beautiful, but then they kind of burst open. The petals peel back and kind of oh. reveal a hidden treasure inside, this very delicate kind of hidden little blossom. Humming, hummingbirds just go you know, crazy for them. You'll really? see them fly right up. And uh, just, you know, put their little beak in there and start slurping them out. Um, and they're great. And they're, you know, they're drought tolerant once established. They love the heat. Um, it's a very durable plant. And that's the anagosanthus, the, the kangaroo paws, many different varieties, different colors. You can get dwarf ones that stay, you know, maybe a couple feet tall. Uh, the larger varieties, you can get flower spikes, you know, three, four feet tall, a little bit grander in scale. And so those ones are really cool. Wow. Yeah, I just looked it up and I'm looking at them. They uh, very unique uh, shape and form to the the flowers. Yeah. And a lot of red here for the kangaroo paw, right? You know it. Yeah, reds, yeah. oranges, it's like a some deep yellows. Red. Oh, yeah. That's nice. They're striking for sure. They're, they, they look great out and there. And that's good for hummingbirds. That's awesome. And it's one of those plants where, kind of, if you want your garden to look a little more wild or a little more um, <laughs> native in a way, it, okay. it kind of provides that backdrop. You know, gives a little, it's taller than some of the other plants we mentioned earlier. So it's, it's a really good, um, you know, anchor plant that can help establish, you know, a nice landscape. Awesome. And um, I heard a while back, you know, you mentioned some of these were white, yellow. This one's red. Um, you know, I don't I don't mean to hate on white, but I, I'm kind of looking for like, you know, some kind of crazy color. You got anything perennial that's 
more of a unique so color? I've got a couple. Okay. I've got two that I'm going to bring up. So if we're talking color, and I probably could have mentioned this one earlier because it's such a, you know, a popular colorful plant, and that's the million bells. Uh, that's Calabrecoa. It's a trailing plant. This is the, uh, the spiller that I mentioned okay. I want yeah. to share with you. This will spill over the side of a raised bed or a container like a waterfall of blossoms in color. They're so pretty. You know, they call them million bells. They could call them a million colors because they seem they seemingly come in a million different colors. Uh, I mean, brightly, actually in mixtures of colors as well. So you'll see, you know, flowers that are mixes of yellows and reds and orange all in one blossom. You'll see ones that are just solid red, solid yellow, and everything in between. Um, that's the million bells. Love the sun. They look like little petunias. You get these hmm. massive clusters and waves of these little petunia-like blossoms, almost like a little trumpet. Uh, and they just kind of cluster up together, and they just love the heat. You kind of cut it back in the, in the cool season, and then you get look forward to it in the spring. Uh, love them. And, and that's, the, that's the Calabricoa. Calabricoa. Yeah, million bells. Million bells. So another one that does really good and uh, doesn't really spill over, but will uh, it just has crazy color combinations and is hyper unique. Um, and that's the African daisy. So I noticed they have a new line right there called the 4D. It's like fourth dimension of a blossom, dude. <laughs> uh, we're, it's like we're going through time and space uh, to enjoy this flower. No, the flowers are like these double blooms where there is like blooms within a bloom. And they're just so gorgeous. Uh, you have these petals on the outside, petals on the inside. They Actually, the petals all look like they're coming from a different flower in a way. And uh, the way they bloom, they stay open all day, all night, whereas other varieties might close up at night. So they're really pretty, tons of different color to choose from. Those are the osteospermums, which is a fun, you know, fancy scientific name. But that's the African daisy, uh, I think native to South Africa, which is very uh, much like Northern California's weather, especially here in Sacramento. Oh, yeah. Hmm. So South Africa, the Mediterranean, us, we all have those hot, dry summers and kind of cool, slightly moist winters. Um, and so those plants, they love it here. It's, they feel like home when they're, when they're here. They do really well. Ton of different colors to choose from. Um, so, yeah, those, those 4D ones are kind of on the new side, and they're really uh, interesting. Worth, I think worth giving a look for sure. Yeah, well, I got a little bit of a heads up on this one because you were talking about it when we got together earlier. And I, I looked it up, and I highly recommend anyone who hasn't seen these, at least do a quick Google search or go to the store and check these out. The Osteospermum... F- 4D. I'm seeing a bunch of 4D ones. And even the ones that aren't like that are just like a gradient of beautiful color. Like the petals change color as it gets out towards the end of the the petal. Yeah, just like hand-painted daisies. You can imagine like a daisy painted in a different color by an artist. That's what these flowers look like. Yeah, I've never seen anything like this. This would be... Uh, to me, almost like a thriller in itself, just to you have could. a patch of these. Absolutely. And, and they, they make good border plants as well around a yard. You could have it by itself, stand alone in a container. They're great. They're That's absolutely great. That's great to know that they, they like this climate. Are, are they also uh, full shade or, or, sorry, full sun? They prefer the sun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen sun. them do fine with a little bit of dappled light. You know, they'll, they'll do just fine, but they really uh, thrive. You know, they're at their best when they're getting lots of hot, you know, full sun. Awesome. Well, that that right there, I mean, thanks for bringing this one to my attention because this is so cool. Yeah, African daisies, man. They're so beautiful. Now, I have one last one that's in the okay. beauty category beauty? of one that's like what you're like. When you grow it, you're like, whoa, this this is so gorgeous. And that's that's the Peruvian lily, the Alstromeria. Ooh. So pretty. Uh, you've probably maybe even given these to your sweetheart one day in a bouquet. You see them as cut flowers all the time. 
They're beautiful, beautiful flowers. They come in a range of colors. And most often, you can't even really, I can't say they come yellow. or they're, they're mixtures of colors. They have speckled throats. They have those nectar guides on there for the pollinators. They're so pretty. Um, they look like they've also been you know, painted by artists as well. Um, almost look fake in a way because their beauty is so great. But that's the Alstroemeria. And they'll actually are really great in areas where maybe you get some morning sun and then some afternoon shade, where maybe okay. you don't have an, all that intense light. This would be a good option for that because they just they prefer that. And their, their blossoms tend to look a little better. Their, their leaves don't get as sun-scorched when they're getting a little in the shade in the hottest part of the day. Um, they're great. And like they come in a very uh, wide variety of, of choices. Awesome. Now, a little bit ago, we, we were talking about the Anagosanthus. Anno, is that right? Anna? Anagosanthus. Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm still, that was pretty good. I'm still learning. Yeah, that was great. Uh, and you mentioned it, it would might give your garden a more wild look or native look. So it kind of was making me think what what natives are, are good for color. Oh, uh, great question. Okay. So there's actually a lot of natives. I mean, it's their spring, too. And so uh, plants like that. I mean, of course, you've been seeing them everywhere. The California poppies. Oh, yeah, the totally. Uh They're gorgeous right now, and they're blooming like crazy. Um, they have them in the nursery as well. I mean, you can, you can buy them and get them in right now. And what's great is they'll actually reseed where you put them. So if you kind of uh, start them now, if you get lucky, you might come back next season, next year, and might just have some more of them popping up for you. Just because they'll go on their own. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're wild, baby. And they're so pretty, and they're going crazy. But also the California fuchsias, which also hummingbirds tend to love, those are blooming right now, and they have that really bright kind of orange-pink tubular blossom. They're, they're really interesting as well. They really stand out. And, of course, one of my favorites uh, is Ceanothus, the, the California wild lilac. Oh. And uh, they, they just are just go so uh, bonkers right now with this, you know, the warmth kind of starting out. We have a little bit of moisture still in the soil. And so those ones bloom and bloom, and they're like these wild colors of uh, blue and purple, kind hmm. of a bluish-purple uh, they're just fantastic, and they can handle such rugged conditions and still do well. They have you know, a lot of different varieties. Some get pretty big. Some can stay pretty small and trail out, but, but they're all really tough and bloom pretty hard. Nice. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, I, you know, I didn't know all of those. I was definitely familiar with the the poppies in the last category you, you kind of walked us through. Yeah, pop a poppy in the garden. Pop a Couple poppies in your garden. Uh, I actually saw on the Green Acres Instagram the other day they were they were promoting some uh, wild poppy like mix you just kind of like throw out in the garden. Oh, isn't that great? Yeah, that's cool stuff. And you know, I've always heard this too about golden poppies is that it's illegal to to pick them. Is that a real thing? Oh yeah, they will chop your hand off. <laughs> oh no, no, you uh, go to that flower would not jail. Be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think if it's on like public or you know um, you know protected lands, yeah, it's a no okay. no, right? Yeah. But if you're in like my front yard and I've got one going, you can you can snap it off and take it. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can enjoy. It. But you know what? They're they're so much better just to look at and enjoy. Yeah. You know, and they really don't make the best cut flower. Sure. So though they're small. Yeah. Right. And they're, yeah. They're a little delicate, and so for me, I just let them stay. There, there's a place by my house where I grew up where someone, um, a gentleman gardener, I've, I've seen him out there along the side of the road and he kind of tends a little wild strip of land and yeah. kind of did some guerrilla gardening out there. And so now it's irises and poppies. Oh, dang. And so it's in every year the poppies get thicker and as do the irises and it just gets better and better. And nice. it just, it's fun to watch. Well, I wonder if instead of a cut flower, maybe uh, it's something got mentioned a while back was uh, and I'd forgotten you could do this with flowers. Is is just dry them and press them? Oh yeah, flower press. Yeah, so like much a, fun. A poppy might be good for that, right? Oh, it'd be, it'd be cool. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah, it'd be great. Well, you know, what I'm thinking through as we're going through all these these beautiful colored flowers that you're talking about is I'm thinking about what ones I put in my garden, and I only have a few. I, we got some fuchsia. Okay. Ooh, we, beautiful. Yeah, which is awesome. And we did lavender. We did some wildflower mix. And I think there's one more I'm forgetting. Oh, no. <laughs> but... I think I missed out on a bunch of cool things, and and you brought my attention to some stuff I'd never heard of. So I I might need to go back and get some more to throw out there because I think I want more color now. Well, you know what's nice is you have um, some pretty large containers where you're growing yeah. your veggies in, and if you, for me, I feel like you can just kind of sneak in a couple smaller containers, kind of at the foot of them, uh, of some color to kind of you know bring bring some life into those areas and hopefully drag in some pollinators. Well, now- I did do that with the wildflower mix. We we just got a can of wildflower. You know, I don't even know what's in there, and we had a couple leftover containers, and I filled them and just dumped some of that seed. And now it's starting; they're starting to pop up, but I, I don't know what we'll see out there so i'm kind of excited oh yeah the wait the anticipation but i did exactly what you're saying which is cool i guess i did a good job i just kind of you know added a little container in front of some wine barrels to just add some pops of color and attract those pollinators that's great because you know your your veggie garden and your flower garden don't have to be separate you know necessarily well that's what you guys keep teaching me is that that's you want all these things to be kind of together and combined in interesting ways and that's where like a lot of the art comes in and that's where promoting this full life circle in the garden comes into play where you know because these are attracting these beneficials to our garden and that's their role there other than just being beautiful colored flowers yeah you want to support the healthiest you know ecosystem that you can you know help help create back there in your backyard or patio well, that is a lot of of examples. Uh, I thank you so much, Kevin, for the uh, annuals for sun, annuals for shade. I heard perennials and natives is, and they're all basically flowers, right? It except for one, I think, didn't have yeah, right. Flowers. The coleus, the coleus, and the, and the coleus will bloom. They're just they're just dainty. They're just not as cool <laughs> as their leaves. Well, is there any other kind of plant that will promote color and? you know, attracting pollinators to our yard? There's so many more. This has all been a scratch on the surface, my friend, (laughs) not not to burst your bubble. But, uh, you know, one that we didn't even bring up because we've been talking a lot about smaller plants. um, But even there's actually even a tree that is so beautiful. I I urge people to go out and like look for them in their neighborhoods. Or if you can't find one there, you know, walk walk the nursery if you have to. Okay. Um, Just, you know, just to enjoy it there. Um, But that's the dogwoods. And they're blooming right now. Uh, it's, it's It's like an ornamental tree. They're gorgeous. They have white or you know pink, light pink blossoms. They they look like handcrafted by artists as well. They're they're just the shape. The just they're really um just beautiful. And uh, sometimes you'll see some out in nature as well. Like I was mentioning earlier before we recorded, Yosemite is one of my mm-hmm. favorite places to visit on the planet. And you can go down in the valley and you'll you'll see some native dogwoods and they'll be blooming down there. And so they're just it's just a great tree and they love the springtime and those flowers are very cool to see. Well, I, I hope this helps because, you know, sometimes there's so many options and walking the the nursery to me is, you know, I could see how some people might be overwhelmed by all the options, right? Yeah. So I hope that maybe there's a couple things that you mentioned that might pique people's interest and then they could 
go go find that. Go, you know, or I find something so. similar. And you know, and like I said, today was a scratch on the surface. We mentioned some plants, but we didn't even get to talk about zinnias. I didn't uh, get to even bring up bougainvilleas. Uh-oh. Um, you know, there's so many different plants out there that are beautiful and, and could just deserve their due as well. And so for me, it's like I, we basically just heard, you know, a slight percentage of some of the great uh, plants out there that you can kind of fit into your garden to help bring in some color. So there's just always something more to learn. And as the season goes on, the options change and you're going to see different varieties and cultivars come in okay. and yeah. come and go. And so there's always something new to kind of go discover. Awesome. Well, I'm motivated actually to go back and add more color because I think uh, I did some, but I want to do more now. Thank you for all your suggestions, Kevin, and kind of breaking it down in a way that helped me think it out because you, you know, you kind of gave me in categories, annual here for sun, for shade, then perennial, the native. And that really helps me kind of categorize it in my head. So I'm thank gl- you so much. I'm glad. You know, and your success in the garden is going to be my success. Folks, today I had to bring Austin a 15-gallon container <laughs> because I don't want to throw you under the bus, Austin, but Austin was going to grow a tomato in a 5-gallon. That's like trying to raise a goldfish in a shot glass. Oh. It's just not cool. <laughs> so uh, he, now he's got a bigger container. We got some fresh soil. Uh, your chocolate sprink. Now I want a chocolate sprink. Yeah, you'll get you, one. All you'll right, get cool. two. As long as I get one to try, I'll be pretty happy. <laughs> but uh, like I said, your success is my success, as is our listeners. I, yeah. I really love hearing about people growing and gardening. Yeah, that's why it's kind of fun to interact with people on the Facebook group there. Mm-hmm. So I encourage people to go check that out. We have, we have a lot of fun there. But, you know, it's been another wonderful week. But you know what, Austin? I got to get back out in the garden and get some work done. I don't know about you. Me too. So I'm going to go get some color. I'm going to go get some soil. I'm going to get my gloves on and get back to it. Till next time, garden friends, garden hard, garden happy, and please never, ever stop growing. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of Kevin Jordan or his guests. These gardening tips and suggestions may work for you, as well as those from alternative sources. When using any garden products or tools, read and follow all label directions.